0: This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com inspirationpoint inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate, Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, BuYog, Starry, Red Dead Coquette, Logan, Punch and Potato, and Jen Solo. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Another jamming episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew,
1: and I'm Adam. In space, <laughs> In space.
0: <laughs> In space. Uh, how you doing, pal?
1: Oh, I'm doing much better now because I'm talking to my buddy Andrew. Hooray! Which I would rather do than than most things at this point. Um, It sounds like you have done some of those most things which you're vaguely referring to. that's right. (laughs) I've just been doing a lot of grading. I'm tired. I've been dealing with parents. I've been dealing with kids. And I'm just, like, we're only halfway through. I already need a vacation, like, like, really bad. I will say, though, one big positive is I had a great game last night. Um We were playing some Strixhaven, and just it's it's just a great group. We have a great GM, and you know, it's just people mostly just acting goofy. You know what I mean? Like we're we're definitely that's the best. We're definitely not test driving a lot of builds here. Um, good. And, although I know a lot of people have an interesting build in the can, like ready to go. Uh, sure. but we've been doing a lot of just like character stuff and, and interaction. And, you know, in, in a way, you know, we, maybe you didn't feel as much progress, but it was a good sort of expository episode to build up the world and get us all oh, yeah. Kind of introduced. And again, it's, it's really no matter what you're dealing with in terms of, Like what game you're playing, what story you're doing, you know, it really is more about just who you're playing with and what. Yep. And do you all have that, those same expectations? Do you all want the same things from that game? And, you know, I, I was doing like a lesson about session zero with, with my uh, students and, you know, they'd tell me that they were done in like 15 minutes and I'd be, I'd be like, they're like, can we start playing? I'm like, you didn't talk about the most important thing. You know, you didn't talk about expectations. Like, yeah, we did. It's like, okay. You, what you did was you, you glossed over everyone. You said, does anyone have any requests for the game? And everyone sat there. And so you assumed uh, you had completed the task. You could check it off the list,
0: right? Instead of, you know, they, they always say, you know, assuming is the best way to make an ass out of you and me. Yeah, that's right. You know, something to that effect. And, you know, that situation is one situation in particular where that rings especially true. Like, if you make assumptions about the expectations that your group has for the game, like, I'm not going to guarantee you that you'll be wrong, but chances are, you know... Like, the smart money says you're probably not at least going to be all the way right. That's right. And
1: and one really difficult challenge that all role-playing games suffer from is longevity. Like, it's it's so easy to start a game. It's easy to have the first three sessions. After that, Mm -hmm. we have to start asking ourselves if we're ready for the commitment. Because this could be a year, it could be two years, it could be longer. Yep. Is this what we want? And having clear expectations is a very sure way to get there. The vast majority of games end because people are tired of
0: it. You know, that just gave me an interesting idea for a topic. Like, obviously not tonight, but maybe sometime we can do an episode to help people figure out what their expectations could be like making an actual list like a personality that, quiz maybe something like that um i i wouldn't say that i would say more like like a menu of expectations somewhat that a player and that a gm could have yeah for a game like maybe some people especially younger players aren't quite sure how to verbalize what exactly they're looking for or how to how to quite pin it down. And I wonder if maybe it could be helpful for there to be like a menu of like, these are the different kinds of things that I'm looking for in, in a game. And I mean, they, you know, a lot of GMs now are using uh surveys and things like that, especially to figure out things like, um like people's trigger issues and stuff like that to make sure everyone's comfortable. And I think factoring in things kind of like that could could be a good way to do it i don't know no absolutely and i think that
1: that's sound advice um one simple way to get started is just to use like a google form that has like a bunch of questions on it Yep, this is something that seemed to have worked very well for uh, the patron game that we're running wrath of the scorned right on well we kind of understood what the balance was for most people in that group when it came to war game versus role play and Mm -hmm. the and the verdict basically was we want everything (laughs) so we had to make sure that or i had to make sure that you know we are scratching all those itches Mm -hmm. um and that they they're they're meaningful and i've been in kind of a uh creative rut lately uh, but I think I'm finally coming out of it. Last session Ooh. of Wrath of the Scorn was quite good. Uh, people that's were terrific, people were very happy. Um, for the most part, at least as far as I could tell, people were happy. Big story things happened. They got to fight Ares, so oh, they were.
0: Oh,
1: and I Man, made Ares just name. the most despicable Chad ever. He's just the worst, <laughs> right? It's just, just frat boy of the gods. Yeah, but he's also like super bloodthirsty, right? He just so a frat boy. He's yeah, well, yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> I guess the lack
0: of the bloodshed.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, so <laughs> uh, but they, they sent him packing at least briefly, uh, with the, with the help of uh some of their fellow gods. As soon as Athena showed up, he was like, Yeah, I'm out of here. Um because oh. if anybody's like close to a match with Ares, I would I would guess it would be her. Um, There you go. They're both war gods. I was going to say she's kind of his counterpart, right? She is. You're right. He's more like bloodthirsty, carnage, slaughter,
0: you know, fire and blood, you know, and she's she's more like the glory, uh, wisdom, uplifting side of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like for the glory of the state, you know, we're going to do what, what needs to be done. You know, I mean, her name is Athena, right? Um mm-hmm. so that makes sense. So anyway, it was it ended up being uh I think a pretty strong session. We had some uh some real buy-in from the players. That's great e- uh, emotionally and and you really need that. You can't do it on your own. So much of this game is just like energy being pushed back and forth between players, yep. between the DM and the and the rest of the players just reactive and one thing that the Monday night group is doing really well is that we're all playing on zoom. And mm. so we're like looking at each other. And I find that that just makes a tremendous difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's something you had suggested. We do many, many times. Um, you guys have been enjoying it. Yeah, we've been enjoying it, but I think we also have a good group of people that like, they're going to mug for the camera a little bit. They're going oh, sure. to, they're going to just stick. are going to ham it up a little bit more. And, Furthermore, what I really find impressive about the group is that they're really good about uh, roping each other in, asking each other questions. My character turns to this character and says, "This right?" And ah, oh, see, that's that's the freaking good stuff right it is there, the baby good stuff. So I mean, we're having a tr- tremendous time.
0: Um, oh man, that sounds so fun! I'm I'm really glad you guys are are having a good time. Honestly, that- it would
1: be totally your jam too
0: because it's so <laughs> role playing centric. <laughs> Um,
1: but anyway, um, I, I've That's been great. waxing on, uh, how your week been?
0: My week's been, my week's been pretty good. Um, I have been, so this is a little, little tease for the listeners. Um, I've had an idea for a very special kind of project for <laughs> the show. That's going to be uh, a series of episodes. I'm not going to get into the details yet because I don't want to throw it all out there until everything is set a bit more firmly. Um, but I was I've been working on that uh, and it involves somebody. Uh, it'll involve a guest host and things like that. Um So I've been pursuing that and have had some extremely positive developments uh, having to do with that. So I am looking forward to when I can tell you guys some more about that. Um, You know, I've been every day I tend to start my my morning by just popping onto like Kotaku and Rock Paper Shotgun and um you know some gaming websites like that just to see you know what what if any are like the big news stories of the day and stuff and uh ran across one that was quite a headline um that I was pretty surprised by and apparently Sony is uh, the focus of a lawsuit over in the UK at the tune of five billion pounds, and which equates to those of us uh, stateside it was like eight uh, million dollars. Actually, roughly. less five point nine billion or so yeah, billion. <laughs> really, only five point yeah. nine? We're really that close to the pound at this point. it's I, I think it has to do somewhat with uh the inflation that's been going on i mean mind stuff, you the but, last time i was in england was like i don't know 15 years ago <laughs> so
1: right like it's, it's been a minute a um
0: but basically sony has been uh sony is in trouble for you know almost some kind of uh well, basically, taking advantage of their near monopoly position in yeah. the UK when it comes to the distribution and sales of digital uh, PlayStation games. And basically, the claim is that they've been like charging like 30% more than they ought to have been or than was reasonable um, for like a long time. And it sounds like whoever uh, is putting this lawsuit together is looking to take him to the freaking cleaners. Well, Um, yeah, I would imagine. So, uh, you know, obviously no word, at least as far as I've read on, you know, where exactly that's going to go or how it's turned out. I'm sure that'll probably be an issue that'll get dragged out for a while, knowing how, you know, big corporations tend to do things, but you know that that ain't a small number um i think i i remember when uh back when facebook bought oculus uh several years ago they they bought the entire company for 2 billion dollars so like 6 billion you know a buck ain't worth what it
1: used to well so- sony is but, tremendously bigger yeah. than oculus i would imagine
0: <laughs> Sh- sure yeah. definitely just um, still like that's an amount that's big enough for even, you know, even Sony to go, whoa, that's maybe not the most, I you have know, trouble even imagining a billion dollars, like really wrapping my head around it. I, I think there are even, I've even heard of like books, um, where they will, that are just about the idea of helping, helping you visualize how how big these huge numbers really are because like yeah when you start talking about billions and trillions the numbers are are so huge that they it is hard to grasp like okay like so there's
1: yeah if i can interject like yeah we're we're about hitting that 15 minute mark and and in speaking of you know billions and endless, um, uh, uh, we could, we could yes. look up into the sky and see the endlessness of the void and contemplate yes. the own, uh, the, uh, the meaningless of our own existence. Mm. Uh, <laughs> man, that's, I that got, that got real dour. Meaningless, man, except meaning meaninglessness. It, I, I think I, uh, I undercut my own message, but with my poor English, um, <laughs> so there it, it, it's uh, well, uh spell jammer came out. Okay. For uh, sure fifth, did. fifth edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons sold as a uh, set of three. If you want to get it that way, which I did. Uh, I got mine with mm. the special edition covers because that's how I roll now. Um, and they're lovely, by the way, they're just absolutely lovely books um, mm. on the outside.
0: <laughs> I you know, I saw the alt <laughs> cover for the main book. Yeah. And honestly wasn't doing it for me. Like the one with the hippo face and the girl face and uh um, the back is actually a little better. Um I I was like, you know, of all the alt covers that we've been seeing recently, like I was like, eh, it's all yeah, right. Sure.
1: Uh the light of Xarixis adventure cover is is pretty cool. I like the way that looks. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, uh, booze astral menagerie is just funny because you're just looking at a big hamster on the front. Yeah. Um, so astral menagerie has a nice, and and if anyone is just really somehow not in the know back in the day, there was a game called Baldur's gate. And in, in this game, there was a character named Minsk who was a barbarian. But since barbarians weren't in the game, it was a ranger that had a rage ability. Um, and he had an inventory item that was a small hamster and he would, in his dialogue, he would refer to uh, the hamster and talk about him being a giant space hamster. So we, we all were like, oh, Minsk is just insane. Right. You know, it's, it's not that he's not insane. <laughs> um, but you know, over time, you know, boo has just become Minsk and boo have become just part of uh and D lore. And, totally. um, so this book, the, the astral menagerie, which is basically like the monster manual for it. Um, they in have, space. they have giant space hamsters. In fact, there's a lot of things in here. That's just space. And then whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's. Know? That's pretty much what spell jammer is, right? It's just space whatever. It's space
1: whatever. Well, at least that's how it is being presented. Um Yeah. I
0: you know, and I'll I'll throw this out there because you you have been reading up on it much more than I have. Like yeah. the bit that I have seen and the impression I got honestly make me feel like it should have been called spell bummer. Like <laughs> just yeah. Like everything I've I've been hearing about it is like it's pretty much just a a big letdown.
1: Yeah, it is ultimately pretty disappointing. Um, so I spent a lot of time ta- talking about the outer covers because it's the best part.
0: <laughs> oh, so hear that, everybody! It's all downhill from here. It's really all and, downhill. And, I mean, and from space, that's a lot of downhill. Like a so, lot.
1: So I wanted to do kind of a product review, but, you know, it is not going to be... <laughs> there's not a lot to talk about because there's just not a lot here, frankly. Um, and I, I don't want to echo too much things that other people are saying because there's there's bigger names than us that are talking sure. about this, but like, you know, I, I, I watched the Guy Sklanders uh, yep. video review of Spelljammer. He's much more upset about it than I am. Um, mm. I, I well, just he, see this he's as got, a misstep. He's got
0: such a He's got such a big sci-fi background, especially yeah. Star Trek. Like the guy has lots of love for, for sci-fi science and space. Yeah. And, and I, he definitely, so I can definitely see how this would really kind of get his goat a little bit and just, you know, of all the things at least from his perspective, I would imagine, of all the things they could they could have dropped the ball on, why did it have to be this?
1: So right. where that ball dropping is really coming from is in the things that are not included more than that which is included. Um, right. Because that which is included is really not a whole lot that's new or particularly interesting mm-hmm. um one thing that it seemed clear to me that the guy was really looking forward to and that i think a lot of players will want is just mechanics right like how do i play D in space yeah how do
0: i do ship to For ship space specifically right mechanics that that give you all obviously right all the stuff about how
1: space works yeah of course but Mm. not only like the wild space as it's called or even the astral sea oh sure as well as planets you know um Mm. that silly episode you and i did a couple of episodes ago where we just rolled up planets was um probably more useful
0: than I don't know, uh, man. By the end, it wasn't too silly. <laughs> you mean it was terrifying. Right? It's terrifying. <laughs> you know, speaking of which I hope that someone out there who has listened to that episode bothered to listen to the end because I made like a special end for, for, for that episode. And no one has said a darn thing. And I am disappointed, disappointed. Yeah,
1: both of us are struggling with, with language tonight, it wouldn't seem. Um, but mm. I think me a little more so. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, the, again, the three books are um, the Astral Adventurer's Guide, which is basically your player guide as well as like actual rules for how to deal with space. Now, okay. When it comes to the rules in dealing with like spell jamming itself, the act of using magic to navigate space travel. Um mm. I mean there's like a couple of pages and we're done, right? There's there's really not a lot there. We talk about, you know, air bubbles surrounding uh spacecraft and large creatures we talk Mm -hmm. about uh where the center of gravity is on these things um and then there's a lot of information about like air and air going bad and keeping track of your air supply right so i mean just offhand andrew you know think of the science fiction fantasy that you would expect to experience in a setting like this or in any setting that includes science fiction, right? What are some of those tropes that you would expect to run into?
0: Oh, I mean, you've got, uh, having to, you know, your ship breaking down while, while in space, having to do repairs and stuff, having to deal with, you know, uh, issues having to do with artificial gravity or, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it not functioning properly or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, being, being boarded by, Mm -hmm. by other ships, pursuing other ships, fleeing other ships, Mm -hmm. um, you know, going to different planets and, uh, retrieving or harvesting different things, you know, space exploration, being able to find your path to these far away places, you know, just figuring out the ins and outs of navigation itself Mm -hmm. Um, and flipping space pirates, right? (laughs) Like uh, all, all those, all those things.
1: Yeah. So those are, those are really great ideas. Well, I do have some good news for you. Um, They do encourage you to board each other. Um, Yep. Now there, there's not a whole lot in terms of rules for boarding. Like there's not a whole lot of interesting things we can do to like finagle gravity to, to like make that happen. Cause let's say you jump off of your spell jammer, right? You're the, the boat that you're on. So if that happens, then you kind of float slowly and helplessly, um, in the air bubble itself. And so hmm. you can move in it, but it's like extremely slow. It's like, um, so it's
0: like almost getting stuck in a, in a gel or yeah, something. You're it, like, it's almost suspended. more like that. So
1: you're breathing and hmm. everything, but it's not like you can just like, oh, I'm going to use the orbit around my ship to kind of slingshot me onto the other ship because that would have been cool. Right. So, yeah.
0: Why, you know, do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, here's the the good news: is you don't need these books to do all those things, right? That, <laughs> having said that, if you are going to spend money on the books, you would expect them to to have some of this stuff. So, there's very little in terms of getting these tropes across. There's nothing about sp- space combat at all, um,
0: which is which is funny considering our last episode basically being about like if you have a skill thing, expression. Right. have express it through through gameplay you play. know through me- through gameplay through mechanic yeah and yeah. here's you know our most recent book that i mean not to mince words but it just seems to fail at that
1: well yeah i mean it's it, it just wants you to get into like boarding other ships as quickly as possible because it pretty much treats the ships as little dungeons and not particularly interesting ones at that. Like the outsides well, yeah. are really Shh. cool. The art is beautiful. But once you get inside and start looking at the grid, there's nothing a really boat. yeah, it's a boat, right? It's so, a boat. Um and unfortunately that's most of the Astral Adventurers Guide. So the Astral Adventurers Guide starts us out with some character options. We get a background that has a feat on it that basic but it also just says you get the magic initiate feat and then a the thing. So they literally don't even write a new feat. They just tell you to get a different one. Um yeah, yeah. and then they've got one for a uh, Wild Spacer and uh Astral Drifter. And then it's got some new races. Uh none of the races are um like engaging, not not mm-hmm. not that engaging anyway. Like, first of all, there's a big picture of a Gith Yankee, but they don't like bother to reprint Gith Yankee in here for some reason. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because Gif Yankee is actually an interesting race to play because of his sure. access to spells like jump. Okay. Um, but we get Astral Elf, Autonome, uh, Gif or Jeff. if you're uh, a difficult person. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Hadozi, Plasmoid and Thrycreen. Now these are cool races, you know, and, mm. and the artwork in these books are, you know, they're wonderful. Uh, but the astral elf—it's it, somewhere between high elf and eladrin. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it basically has a um a, a a jump ability. The what's it called? The what's the spell? The second level spell, uh, fade uh, step or whatever. Misty step. Uh, Misty okay? step. Yeah. So, like a lot of races are getting something like that. They have some resistances. They have some dark vision and spells. Okay, nobody cares, right? There's nothing really. <laughs> super interesting happening here right and then right the the auto gnome, the auto is kind of interesting the the auto gnome is like you can be a tiny warforged basically so yeah you can be a small construct so i want to be a robo gnome that one's interesting it has an ability here um let's see you get some free ac so your base armor class is 13 plus your decks so that's mm. cool um but that's only while you're not wearing armor, right? So the idea right. is to wear armor. Uh, by the way, the Thrycreen is also in here and has the same thing.
0: Mm.
1: Um Built for success. You can add a D4 to one attack roll ability check or saving throw you make, and you can do so after seeing the D20 roll, but before the effects of the roll are resolved. You can use this trade a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you must regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So you can pretty much give yourself guidance, uh, but it mm-hmm. can also apply to uh, an attack or saving throw. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a num, it's a number go burr ability, right? So again, like, is that engaging? Is that, fulfilling the fantasy of being
0: an auto gnome right right i don't know about that i don't know about i mean that. granted i have not spent a whole ton of time with the idea of the fantasy of being an auto gnome, well but- i mean have <laughs> you thought about being a robot right like in, right. in any of these games sure.
1: and, and effectively that's what we're talking about yeah so um uh the gif are uh hippo people hippo people. And the the they're good at guns, so you get some gun stuff. You have I mean, to of course hope totally. that your GM gives you a gun, but theoretically if you're spell playing spelljammer, you'll probably get one. Uh and uh mm. the uh, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's I don't think there's any gun stats in this uh book. You have to go to back to the DMG to figure that one out. Oh, um easy. if it is here, I just didn't see it. Maybe I missed it. Um mm. but I don't think there are gun stats. Um, they get a thing where they can sometimes add two damage to a, a thing because that makes you feel like a hippo guy, <laughs> <laughs> man. I, okay. This like, and I, I, I don't want to do a deep dive on all of these, but it's like, it, it is just very indicative of us being very concerned about balance and not concerned about like fantasy, frankly. Right. You know, right. and and that's really too bad. Hadoze uh, does a little bit better. Hadoze is basically your flying monkey. Okay, mm. but you're more like a you're more like a squirrel monkey, right? So you have like skin flaps, not not like a um, Wizard of Oz monkeys, right? Ah, uh, gotcha. So you're you can like, like glide around, basically, flying which is cool,
0: squirrel sort of
1: sort of thing. Yeah, the Hadoze I got would like say are, are wingsuit. They're probably one of the more successful races in here. Uh, the next one is Plasmoid, which is the one I find the most fascinating. You can basically be an ooze, and you can. That's that sounds fun. That one is fun, and the and by the way, the 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 pictures in it are like super goofy, and uh, so you can be like a blob, or you can take kind of like a humanoidish figure, and so you can wear gear and stuff. Uh, Just be like a Ditto from Pokemon. Yeah, there's a big long section for an ability called sit- Shape Self. It basically means that you can manipulate an object ten feet away, and there's two paragraphs to
0: explain that. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, um, like, then- okay, I, I will, <laughs> I'll, I will at least say this. Like, I've been doing some, some editing and rewriting on. Uh, different magic items and stuff. And there definitely are certain things where where you know what you are trying to quantify and explain is in itself very simple, but actually writing it out and spelling it out so that it is clear and unambiguous can actually be surprisingly difficult and take way more space than you would have thought you would need so. so
1: so i get that but the actually interesting ability they have is called amorphous
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and they do that in in a in, uh, two sentences okay so an amorphous it allows you to squeeze through like super thin things like you can go through door frames now right ooh so you can, you can just ooze your way through stuff. Right. Okay? Mm. Um, and you also get advantage on ability checks to initiate or escape a grapple, which is good mm. Andrew stuff. Um, so we can do a lot. That's a very like efficiently written ability. Okay. Mm. Um, by the way, I'm, I just, th- maybe this is just a personal pet peeve. So everyone can disagree with me, but basically the moment I see as a bonus action, you can, I just, my brain turns off. Like, mm. I don't like both sections. I know I said that last time. I think it just slows the game down. Like half the time, no matter what group I'm in, no matter if it's veterans or newbies, I'm always sitting there waiting for someone to tell me that their turn is over. Yeah, And I always have to ask, is your turn over? Like, why do I have to keep asking this? And, yeah. And so what I've been doing with the younger players is as soon as they basically do anything of interest, I move on and then I mm. wait for them to like, tell me to slow down if they, if they need to, which sure almost never happens. So it's, it's just so annoying because like players get a, you get your move, you get your action and you get your bonus action. And it's like, how about, we, how about you just get to do a, a thing? I,
0: right that's, now? that's how I, that's the mentality. My brain always wants to take is like, stop, thinking about it like a checklist. Did I do my action? Did I do my move? Did I do my bonus action? Just think of a thing you want to do and make sure that it doesn't require more than those three things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Do that. Move
1: on. I want to run at a guy and attack. Okay, great. Yeah. If it's within your speed, you can do it. Fantastic. I want to do a a special attack ability. Okay, cool. You do that. I want to just run this way. You're done. Great. Yeah. So this one, like again, a big long pair, two paragraphs to say you can extend a piece of you out 10 feet and like grab a thing.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, it's it's a reachability. That's
1: cool. That's yeah. But it's not even an attack, right? It's like, you can open a door, um, pick up or set down a tiny object. And then they, they have to tell you that it has no sensory organs and it can't attack, activate magic items or lift more than 10 pounds. By the way, why the hell not? Because, like, isn't this great to be able to, like, put part of you under a door and look around? Like, isn't this a cool scout ability? You know, mm. like, no. But we had to take time to tell you that this ability is not as cool as you think it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, frankly, the plasmoid could get up to shenanigans, right? Oh, totally! There is shenanigans here with their amorphous ability. They can do it. Uh, here's another super exciting thing they get. Um, you can hold your breath for an hour. Whoa, that is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I was being facetious, but if you think oh. it's cool, then great. <laughs> well, dude, dude I don't like, I just don't like, care at all. <laughs> like, who cares? No how how is this gonna in any interesting way? interact with the various classes i could play you know i don't i'm
0: I'm just saying like there's plenty of situations that you could turn to your advantage with like like you freaking pull something underwater for crying out loud
1: Uh uh-huh if you you happen to be on a planet right but there's no information about planets
0: (laughs) so so we just have to make that up right uh, I don't so care pl- what else is in the book. I'm just saying being able to <laughs> hold your breath for a freaking hour gives okay, you some options. Okay, fair that's enough. All I'm saying, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Whether okay. the options are presented in the book. Yeah. You know. Okay. Thrive cream is the next one. And this one I think
1: is actually is pretty cool. Um, So you, it gives you the, the um armor class buff, but also you can change your color like a chameleon. So you can get advantage on stealth checks, which is great. Ooh. So you can be fun. like a stealthy fighter, which is neat. Um, we have some dark vision, which basically you have to have to even be functional. So that's good. Um, mm. You have secondary arms, which is cool. And this you can wield a weapon with. It doesn't give you any extra attacks, but you can hold more items, basically. So that's mm. that's kind of cool. And then it has some sleep thing no one cares about. And then uh, you have telepathy, so you can talk. And it takes two paragraphs to explain that. Okay. Um, chapter two goes into the astral adventuring. And this is where you, th- this is like what you want. Okay, so the first major section of it is how spell jamming works, and so the 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 quick explanation is that the way we explain space travel is you can basically take any kind of vessel and then you put what's called a spell jamming helm on it, which is basically a a cool chair, okay, Mm -hmm. and then you can channel spells into it in order to move the ship about, but it doesn't really talk about how that works mechanically, right? It just says right you know, stick an NPC here, (laughs) say that they're casting spells and the ship
0: moves. Okay. I, I hate that. Right. So like, I, I I don't, I'm, I'm not somebody who, who needs like, like hard sci-fi to the nth degree where it's like, I need to know what every freaking molecule is doing there. Like there are some sci-fi properties and uh, you know whether it be a show movie book or a game where they really get n- freaking nitty-gritty about it and then there are other things that are more soft sci-fi like i know star wars can kind of be that way sometimes but like for crying out loud y- if you're just telling me you put magic chair on both all of a sudden boat is now space boat because you spell into chair. My my brain immediately goes, I feel like there are some other things going on there that you're not telling me about that are like maybe important. Like you're talking about the fundamental functionality of a craft you're using to shoot yourself through the vacuum of space like... So,
1: here's what they've essentially done. They've said, okay, you're in space, but I want you to treat this like you're at sea.
0: So, what's the point of being in (laughs) space? (laughs) Come on! The the
1: point is, is you all said you wanted Spelljammer, so we said here you go, for money.
0: So, why didn't they just like republish Salt Marsh, but just do a find and replace with water and (laughs) (laughs) Space. <laughs> well that they <that laughs>
1: actually pretty much did that um so oh, uh, well. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff about um i, I say me. a lot okay there's a much there's a very long section about error envelopes because that's that was the fantasy i was looking forward to i couldn't wait to describe how error envelopes uh act with my players like Man, like every time I watched Star Trek and Babylon 5 and and uh, Orville and everything else, you know, it was just like, man, I, I wish all these things had air envelopes. You know, that's really, well, that's really the thing that we
0: Okay, want. I'll, I'll say this. The air envelopes thing was one of the few, uh, spell jammer, um, like bits of material that they had put out where you, like, you could read it as like a preview thing. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I did read that, and I thought it was at least interesting. I'm like, okay, they're at least giving you some some sort of environmental concern that deals with the fact that you're going through space and, you know. It sure, sure. Is, and, and, it was, and as one piece of a
1: larger pie, this would be perfectly acceptable. Yes, exactly. But the fact exactly. that it makes up for what, essentially a quarter of the total... Um, mechanics of spell jamming, you know, it's, it's, that's pretty rough. It's, it's insufficient. It's insufficient, you know? So the next part's all about the astral plane. Here's a section called creating a wild space system. Does that sound awesome to create a wild space system? Let, let me guess. It it is not awesome. Well, listen, man, like, okay, so your world, (laughs) okay. Or Toriel, let's say it exists in a wild space system. Okay. You might even call it like a galaxy. All right. And so once you hit the edge, there's actually an edge to your galaxy. There's a, there's a place where that stops. Okay. And then what you can do beyond that is enter what's called the astral sea. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the astral plane. Right. And so you travel through the silvery mist of the astral sea to get from wild space system to another wild space system or anything else that might be floating around such kind of as like an astral a, dominion or a dead God, sort of like a puddle jumping kind of deal. Right. But again, this is just an ocean. <laughs> this is uh, an yes. ocean, but space get it. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, I okay. Follow. I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> read you the entire section. I'm going to read you the entire section. About creating a wild space system. Are you ready? Buckle up. This is
0: going to take want, a minute. I was going to say, do you want me to time time you? Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, you can okay. time me. You ready? Rocking. All right. A
1: typical wild space system has a sun plus a number of planets and moons orbiting it. Two examples of wild space systems, Doom Space and Xeric Space, are described in the accompanying adventure, Light of Xaraxis. Uh Use them as models when creating your own wild space system. Well, that was about 24 seconds. So that's how you create a wild space system. You read another book and then think about it.
0: (laughs) I mean, like, (laughs) I,
1: how long would it have taken to make one rollable table? Right. Well, like we we have a podcast
0: episode. Yes. Like two episodes ago where we did three or four times that amount of work.
1: So there could have been stuff about like, Oh, in this wild space system, maybe the sun, you know, is really hot or volatile, or maybe it's, you know, uh, about to explode, or maybe it's really dim and cold. Uh, maybe this has, uh, maybe gravity in this wild space system is very heavy, right? Maybe it's filled with, uh, more monsters. This could have been a table at the very least, right? Like, oh, and okay, there's, okay. There's just nothing there. It's, it's, why is this even a section? <laughs>
0: Like I, okay. I want to, I want to zoom out here for a second. Cause I, hey, sure. As you know, as I've been thinking about, you know, like w- having watched guys video and hearing, you know, what some other folks have said and such sure it, where, where I find my, my, my brain running into like some, uh, I don't know, almost unanswerable questions. the, One of the big ones that I keep arriving back to is, like, it feels like a strangely large amount of stuff got missed. Like, when you're thinking Spelljammer and space travel and worlds and things like that, and then you look at a book like the DMG, and you look at, you know, the this little sections of rollable tables for like NPC motivations and all these, like it's bizarre to me how many things seem to have been like just abjectly overlooked or, or just hand waved to, to an almost like flippant degree. Like, like, if you're working on this book, what, if you're writing that section, what, what makes you get to the end of that little write up and go, yeah, this is all they need. This is all they'd want. Why?
1: I, I have to imagine that maybe this was an editing choice or maybe that like they, could only get so much from a deal with a printer. They had to fit X amount of pages. I I don't really know. Right. I mean but it's it all it's really all really weird,
0: but it's freaking strange. Right? It
1: is freaking strange. But let me tell you what's not missing. Astral fishing. Okay. So, uh, fishing is a popular pastime in Wild Space and the Astral Sea. Though this activity isn't possible aboard a ship that is moving faster than its flying speed, discussed later in this chapter. Wild Space Settlements <laughs> sell basic fishing equipment for one silver piece. For that, you get a pole, a line, a hook, and either a lure or some bait. And then we have uh, some stuff about you could what you could catch. <laughs> I, I... Again, like it's not only that there's like where's the emphasis on the on the fantasy, but why is there emphasis on the things that no one cares about? Right.
0: I like I'm I just (laughs) space fishing.
1: Ah yes. I remember that episode of Star Trek uh wait, no, I don't. They never did that. That's not a thing. (laughs)
0: Like even even if we're just doing the freaking salt marsh one-to-one translation, like yeah. how much regular fishing do people do in D and D like, like I, I don't, I don't pretend to have been present at like everybody ever's game tables, but I feel like I have yet to encounter many people who were like, dude, yeah, we've totally had, like, fishing episodes. Like, I i mean, is this a thing? May, maybe this is. Maybe fishing. Let, let
1: let us know if space fishing is a fantasy that you've had and have seen in, in a lot of media, and if we're just completely off base.
0: Or any fishing, for that matter. Any <laughs> fishing. If you fish in your TTRPGs, doesn't even have to be d d Maybe you play an outdoorsman rpg that you yeah. buy it like bass pro or something and okay. it's like half of it like you're either hunting deer or you're catching fish tell us if you catch the fish <laughs> like, just- so th-
1: you know i'm going to skip the next couple sections cuz there's two spells listed under magic and there are three magic items that have been added to dungeons and dragons via this um this edition I- okay um huh. and then uh now we get to a, a section about spell jamming ships and uh, here we're gonna finally do ship to ship combat um, or are we? Well,
0: <laughs> well? let's see. <laughs>
1: Their starting distance, initiative, moving and steering a ship, boarding, crashing, and ship repairs. Um, All
0: right, those are some of the things that I mentioned before. So I guess uh, that's good. Yeah, there's no um, there's not
1: a whole lot in in uh. In terms of, like, actual mechanics of actually shooting at each other. Well, color
0: uh, me, surprise.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> but you can make all of this up on your own. Because in the next section, and honestly, this is unfortunately the best part of the book. Um, we get uh, many, many pages of uh, different ships that you can encounter or buy or find in the Astral Sea. So... Um, mm. and they do give us some stats like armor class and hit points and like uh, attack stuff. So you can kind of make it up, right? You can come up with your own system. Um, which is fine. That's what I was going to do anyway. I already started my, um, spell jamming, uh, my own spell jammer campaign.
0: Yeah. But now uh, you're out 50 bucks. But well, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's that. But- well, that, that is, there is that. <laughs> Like, you know? like, <laughs> so I did like, like <laughs> so okay. I can spend money first. I mean, look, the art in here is beautiful. Okay. I, whoever did the art for this guys, none of this is on you. You absolutely killed it. Okay. There's some wonderful looking things in here, but in terms of game design, I don't know what was going on. Right. Um, I, this like, is, this is just very disappointing.
0: One, one thing that, uh, as I was hearing all the stuff about this that did pop into my head is like, like the weirdest freaking silver lining ever. But at least considering, you know, the, the, the area of the business I am in, it did make me go, well, this does at least present a massive, massive, huge opportunity. To third-party developers oh, and publishers, oh one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because you go, y'all clearly need some detailed space rules.
1: Yeah. So everybody are- said I had the space itch, and and then Wizard was like, okay, here's a feather for me to tickle you with. So now now more people are itchy.
0: Yeah, like you've made the itch worse.
1: You made the itch worse. So if if Nord can sell a back scratcher, here now's the time. Right. Um, so here's one thing I did because I didn't have the rules. All I, all I knew was from stuff I had watched from some of the AJ Pickett videos, right? the mighty oh,
0: glue heck. stick, even now that you've bought the rules, you barely have the rules. Oh, right. Exactly.
1: I still <laughs> learned way more from one of those videos and he has several. Okay. So make sure you guys check out AJ's channel, um, the mighty glue stick for all the, um, spell jamming lore you didn't get in the books. um, I don't, I don't know how the original second edition book was. I've never looked at it. Um, so maybe it's better.
0: I don't know. I, I, the little bit that I did hear about the original one was that even that one was a little on the light side, but that's, that's so all I, I heard.
1: Like, I can totally respect them not wanting to like overwhelm you with a bunch of like physics and stuff. Like, Sure. I, Like, I can totally respect that, but we, you do need to have a simplified, but also meaningful system of mechanics to simulate this fantasy, to express that gameplay in a way that is, that is fun and engaging while still like not putting too much of a burden on your mental workload. Oh, sure. You
0: don't have to, you don't have to overwhelm us. But you could like, whelm like us. just whelm us uh, like <laughs> a bit. Could, we could just be we whelmed. Could do with some whelming. We could.
1: Mm. A little bit of whelming could go a long way. Uh but one simple thing I added uh to my game was the idea that okay, there is like the spell jamming helm that one person drives, but uh everyone can either interact with the spell jammer or they get like basically subsystem items oh, to sure. interact with. So the first thing I did was I gave each of my players essentially a feat, um, which gave them, like they, they chose a school of magic and then I gave them a cantrip from that school, as well as a first level spell that mm-hmm. they can use once per day without components or spell slots. Very simple, like stuff that they did with, uh, with the Strixhaven feats, which mm-hmm. are successful. People like those. Um, so if someone picked necromancy, you know, maybe they would get, uh, like spare the dying and, you know, um, uh, cure wounds maybe. Okay. Mm. So, and if they, they picked evocation, maybe it'd be like magic missile and firebolt. Okay. Sure. So something like that. The cantrip, of course, they can use as much as they want. Uh, otherwise the spell itself is limited. So what, then what I did was I said, okay, when you cast through the spell jammer, um, it basically re-manifests itself in like a macro scale effect. Mm. Right. So when you cast w- when when your guy casts a um firebolt, it's like firing your photon torpedoes at somebody, right? Cool. Um somebody somebody cast a command on the enemy ship, right? Uh, through their spell jammer so i treated it like it was a tractor beam right yeah,
0: that that was gonna be my guess
1: yeah so and i don't have a write-up for this yet although i i would like to make one um if my uh day job doesn't just suck all the life out of me <laughs> um because like man i was driving to work this morning and i had so many like creative ideas uh we had a kind of a heated discussion uh about last episode in our um in our our podcast Discord. Yeah. I wanted to write up a bunch of like mechanics and abilities to like explore. I wanted to write up this barbarian from like beginning to end. And, th- and then I wanted to write all these like spelljammer mechanics and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know, by the time five o'clock rolled around, I was just dead. <laughs> I was just dead. I was just out of any energy at all. Yeah. Uh, um You know,
0: You know, you when you do (laughs) that, frustrating. Use your phone and get like a recorder app, and basically just like dictate to your phone. Yeah, I've I've done that before. I
1: should do that again. Yeah, might as well do it on the drive, right? Just start, just start talking into the wind.
0: Yeah, Um, I used to actually keep a notebook and a or a like a like a legal pad and a pen, and like while my eyes are on the road, I would just like take my pen and just scribble notes just on the passenger seat uh, yeah. with the pad right there. And, you know, assuming your coordination is borderline okay, you can kind of just guesstimate, mm-hmm. you know, where you're writing. And just don't worry about, like, following the, the rule on your notepad. Then you just, like, scrawl notes like crazy, and then I'd, like, look at them later in the day and Oh, yeah, that was cool. You know, I, I don't know if I would suggest that, but, you know, if it works
1: for you, great. Hey, <laughs> you know, you know please uh, drive safely. Everybody Yes, um, yes
0: drive safely. <laughs> but don't don't lose your ideas either. I mean, the yeah, ideas I, won't do I, you any good if you're dead. But <laughs> I think using
1: the recorder is probably a good idea. Um, yeah. I mean, you can just activate Google or Alexa, whatever you have, and just say, hey, take a note um, and then they can do it that way. So, um, another, okay. So again, there were three books, right? They're really fast. I'll just say booze, uh, astral menagerie. It's, it's another monster manual. There's some cute, clever things in here. There's some really terrifying things like space clowns. Um, I didn't think I would have to deal with that, but that exists. Um, hooray, hooray. Um, I, I don't mean real hooray, but the same complaint I had last week about the monster manual applies here as well. Like, Sure. Every now and then there's something that is really interesting and kind of engaging and flavorful. But for the most part, there's a melee attack and a ranged attack. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it, it's, it, it's fine, but that's the best you can say about it. It's fine. Um, and then finally there's the light of Xerixis, which is, uh, the, the campaign. I don't want a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I briefly, uh, browse through it. I couldn't be bothered to memorize much. Um, it's about a big space laser, mm. you know. Oh, um, like
0: like it, I don't it, know. It eats a, up a, all a the de-
1: energy from a planet and leaves it desolate. Um, they the the elves want to do this to your world next. Don't let them.
0: Oh, it's so so. Hold on. So it's a big big space laser. When the space laser gets involved, planets get destroyed either by being sucked dry or by being blown up. So. Might might one be compelled to call it, shall we say, a star of death? One
1: might say that. One might
0: say that. One uh, might. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, because it's it. You you see, though, it doesn't blow up the planet. It sucks up the planet. Okay, it well, doesn't blow. It sucks. Part. Okay, and what it does is it, it it drains the planet of energy to give something the big. Star of Death or whatever, uh, the 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 energy life. The but <laughs> what needs the energy life? So here's the thing: nobody cares. Right? Oh. Nobody nobody cares about sky lasers. Sky lasers are a joke um, because movies have been doing it so much, right? Like it was in Man of Steel, it was in Suicide Squad, it was in Thor Two. Like stop with with the sky lasers. Okay, Um
0: it sounds like it was in all the bad movies.
1: (laughs) Right now, mind you, right in the beginning of the book, they do say, Hey, we're trying to be flash Gordon. And it's like, okay, great. So this is going to be a lot of camp. Right. And it's like, well, no, here's some JJ Abrams stuff. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) Mm. so I'm sure Mm. there's some camp throughout. There's always camp in all these books. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I just don't care. Like what we really want are not adventures because frankly, it's more work to read what they're doing and figure it out than to just make your own. Okay. Mm. Or it's, a, or it's at least as much. Okay. To, to translate and, and reinterpret and deliver original intent to the best of your ability. Okay. Yeah. So, and then it's because now instead of creating everything, you're memorizing everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're not really um, doing less work. Now to me, the gold standard is, Um, is with two books, uh, one being mythic odysseys of Theros, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, yeah, it has some like little adventure dungeon things in it, but for the most part, they're like, okay, here are the regions of Theros. This is what they're about. This is what they do. Right. Okay. Here's that. Here's what, who lives here. Here's the local culture. So you can go, right. So I'm not going to include all of Theros in session one. So I'm going to pick one of these major places to live and I'm going to just learn about that. Yeah. And we're going to start there and then we're going to build out, okay? Then there's a bunch of tables in it that say, here's stuff that your campaign could be about and it centers around the gods. And they're like, okay, here's a bunch of tables or if you want to deal with Thassa as the goddess of the, of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Of the story. So again, we want building block pieces because frankly, with maybe... Curse of Strahd being an exception. Most of these adventures aren't great. Right. Um, like, but I mean, I will say it's like, it, it could be hard to write a D and D campaign when you don't have any idea who the players are. Right. Right.
0: So I like, well, I get it, but you, so, is if, if there was ever, if there was ever a good, like excuse to start small and go big, like, how is it not Spelljammer, like, Where you, you know, you start with putting together this little ship and, you know, you don't start in, I wouldn't have it start in space. I'd have it start on freaking terra firma and Mm -hmm. have, have the players putting together this ship. And here's what you do in session zero you discuss what you want, what the players discuss what kind of adventure they want to have. Well, like, in the
1: book the book can't do anything about that, but what the book can do is provide a whole bunch of tools for the things that they're likely to pick. Yeah. Because okay? that is something we can do. We can largely predict what they're probably going to go for. Right. And so, they predicted that they would be interested in air bubbles and space fishing, okay? Mm. And in controlling air quality. That mm. is...
0: That is the fantasy they expected people to have. I mean, I'm sure that there's a, there are a couple uh, RPG fans out there who who like are HVAC repair people <laughs> during the day who are like, dude, all I want to do is deal with air supply in space. That's like my jam, <laughs> my my spell jam, my spell jam. Ah, <laughs> uh. ah. Uh. Uh, that reminds me know. of the AC
1: repairman secret <laughs> society in community.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those guys were crazy. With John Goodman. Oh my! Like, um, <laughs> oh man, I forgot. But how do you make how do you make a bunch of HVAC guys and HVAC union that intimidating? I was like, these guys like are scary. How did they manage to make these guys scary? Oh, yeah. Freaking oh, oh, genius.
1: Now, now, before I forget, the the other book I wanted to reference as what I thought was a really good example of what I think we want as GMs from books um, was um, Van Richten's. Van Richten's oh, Guide to Loft. So is it really helpful to understand about the genre itself? Yeah. Again, it gives you those tools, and yeah, there's little adventures that you can basically plug and play. That's great, but that's not like the main thing. The main thing is here's how to do horror. Honestly,
0: okay? I I thought that Spelljammer was going to be like the the sci-fi slash space themed Van Richten's Guide. Like, well, and and that's what it should have been, th- right? that's but what it should like, have been why why wasn't it
1: <laughs> that's I what i want to i don't I wanna know, the know
0: the story so behind okay.
1: this we we've broken down the books in the past and and talked about like kind of what we want so one thing i would like like if i was the one in charge of everything i wouldn't have any more adventures <laughs> like period mm-hmm. i just i just wouldn't write them i know that's blasphemy but whatever i i would be like Okay. Uh, instead of adventures, we're going to write a bunch of Theros books. We're going to write a bunch of settings and here's some little adventures. And then maybe we'll throw in campaign idea and then we'll throw in some, some lore stuff at you. Totally. But I'm not going to like enumerate everything, right? I'm just going to say like, okay, here's some stuff you could do. And then I would make some dungeons. First of all, some dungeons that actually look good because like the dungeons in stuff like uh Storm Kings they were hideous to look at, okay? Mm. And they weren't that interesting or engaging. So, if you if you just like okay, the, if I'm going to buy one of these books, there's a couple things I want from it. One, I want you to make my job a little easier because yep. as a GM, I'm just trying not to burn out, okay? And then second of all, the the other thing I want you to do is to entertain me as I read this thing, right? Like help me help spark that inspiration, that creativity in my mind. Don't tell me what to do, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, another wonderful example, um, I would say is FizzBands, okay? FizzBands mm-hmm. is also uh, a really good example of just saying, okay, here you're going to have dragons in your campaign. We don't need to write you a story about dragons in your ca- it's Dungeons and Dragons. So when here's a bunch of stuff. Enjoy. Here's some new yeah. mechanics, here's some new rewards, right?
0: Like that's awesome. I love that stuff. You essentially take a theme, any and theme <laughs> and just tell us how how to realize yeah the most common the most common and Really tropey things, yeah. All you gotta do
1: thing is give me the greatest hits. Okay. So when they did Van Richten, they basically did that. They said, Okay, here's the various horror genres. So here's what your players are gonna expect if you say you're gonna make one of these. And
0: here's how you execute,
1: and then you know. And and yeah it does it's not meticulous but it it gets enough for you to like like I know a book is working well when I'm halfway through a paragraph and my mind has left the book and my mind is like already building things and my eyes are just scanning words and then I have mm-hmm. to remind myself to actually read the words right mm. like to me that's a sign of success because you have sparked my ability okay Right. Like that's all I'm really looking for. So, um, the other really successful model for books, um, is stuff like Xanathar's and Tasha's, right? Um, those are also I, just absolutely gold standard though. I don't know
0: that those necessarily apply to,
1: well, I mean, they, they absolutely could have in, in terms of expanding the rules, Right. Like, here's, here's, what are some of the downtime activities I might do in space? What are some of the, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, give me an actually robust series of spells. They gave us two and one of them was make a spell jammer chair, (laughs) sorry, Uh a helm, some chair. Okay. Uh Um, and and the other one was making a a fish bubble over your head so that you can breathe in space. Ah,
0: back to the air. Air is important.
1: So uh, and then there was, there was three items. One of them, which was a spell jamming helm. And I, I don't, uh, one of them is a, uh, is like a
0: fish suit. And I can't even remember what the third one is. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Can you catch someone in a fish suit while you're space By the fishing? Way, there's no subclasses in here. How are you going to write the guide and introduce a bunch of stuff about
1: guns and then not have any like space specialization class? for for the various classes. That's crazy. That's that's just an easy win. That's a dunk, right? The subclass the subclass idea for fifth edition is like that's that's like the big thing, right? Yeah. That's where all your expansion goodness comes from. What is a space ranger? I want to be a space ranger. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Name Buzz Light here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> okay.
1: Like what What is a space ranger doing? Like, yeah, if I'm starting a campaign on the ground, then yeah, it makes sense that I'm just a ranger. Okay. You know, with typical ranger things that I do. But what if I roll up a plasmoid? You gave me these races and then you told me to, to play a plasmid and a, and a Thrycring. But they, okay. So they're in space all the time and there's no specialty
0: space ranger. There's no space monk. I would love, love to see a, a Thri-creen trying to like cram itself into an ill-fitting, like dead humans, Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> spa- like space ranger uniform. Like maybe they got in a freaking space battle and he's like, ah, ka-ka-ka translation. I am going to impersonate and disguise myself as a space ranger and the Thry Cream like tries to cram its head into Buzz Lightyear's space bubble head helmet and he's got like the wings pop up on the back and he like, like his extra set of arms just tear through the side of the and he's like walking around trying to smash his big clawed beat into the person size space boots so this sl- <laughs> uh, how, <laughs> how do you do fellow human? How do you do? I sure could go for a meat sandwich. <laughs> you guys like um, meat sandwiches.
1: Right. I don't know. Um they can't talk. I'm just kidding. Um so yeah. Now, ultimately, they leave a lot to be desired, but they they do help us understand that which we do want, I would say, like they help us better define. But the, the thing that's confusing is wizards should know, right? Like they should know what has sold well and what hasn't. And they should know that like what well, he, was yes. like generally well received. What's generally well
0: received is content. Yeah. Right? Give me, give like, us content books, just, right? Like just it, when you sell a book, it should have stuff in it, not like non stuff. Like I, I, it's just, it's blowing my mind that like, how did this get through to production without someone on the team going, this, I mean, granted, you know, maybe it was there, just there, there may, there very well may have dead, been, right? Like deadlines yeah. or deadlines. And it's like, we got to put out a book. And and the marketing team is like, we got to do our best to sell this puppy. Right. Okay. We have to do that.
1: We, we, we signed up for X amount of printing jobs with the publishing company. And right. if we don't push it out now, then we lose our contract, right? I have no idea. We can yeah. only speculate, like you said. Yeah. Okay? But it's it, just, man, what, what I would like to do going forward is to, um, actually write up some spell jammer, um, related, uh, mechanics for fifth edition and just put them up on the patron page or something like that. Like it did with the crafting system.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Um, why the heck, you not? know, just something really simple that the $5 patrons can use, um, that will, you know, I don't know if they use them or not, but you know, if they like them, then great. That's something That's right. easy to do, but yeah. Um, yeah. by the way, the, the way I opened up my game, I don't know if I said it before, but, um, all of my players were, were on planet side and they were, I, I enter them. First of all, they're level three and then they were starting the game, uh, with the epic climax of an adventure they had been on. Okay. Mm. So they're trying to stop a ritual where there were an evil, cultist is sacrificing people in order to summon moloch okay
0: i thought i locked that dude up
1: (laughs) well i mean he had to go somewhere dude
0: man just when you think
1: you did the thing right so he's like pushing himself so they don't have to fight moloch they have to fight moloch's arm you know that's Mm. like coming out of the portal as well as a bunch of like cultists right and so the, the paladin cultists. manages to do the final blow against, um, Moloch's arm. He cuts off some of his fingers. Good job. Paladin. And Moloch goes flying back down into the abyss. Oh, um, no. One of them says, I look right into the abyss to see what happened. Oh. So that's when we started to, uh, add, uh, sanity scores Ooh, to the game. That sounds fun. So yeah, we've been having some fun with that. Anyway they They stopped the ritual. They save most of the people, a couple of them didn't make it. and and they return to the kingdom. And the entire kingdom has this big parade for them. and they're and they're so happy. and they're having like statues made and holidays named after them. Oh God, and the princess. And like the king's like, "You may marry one of my daughters, right?" And um, like they're being given all these accolades. and like at the climax of everything, Something crashes into the castle and basically everyone dies.
0: Is it a UFO? Is there like a big? Yeah, it's basically a UFO. Flying saucer just half sticking out of the side of the freaking tower.
1: (laughs) So then one of my NPCs, who's like a war forged from space, he's running around trying to keep these little space alien critters that multiply super fast from like running around, right? And so they start, like, popping out of their cages and multiplying all over the place. The party, like, does their best to fight. Oh, my God. The kingdom's God. burning all around them. The king is like a smear on the wall. And what is- how did this accident happen from not repairing something where the check light had been on for a long time?
0: Oh, sure. It's it's the, it's the like the super, super heavily used Honda Civic of yeah, spacecrafts. Guys, just like ah, I'm sure it's nothing. All of a sudden, nanu nanu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like so, seeing that that all is lost, the uh, war hits the detonate button on the rest of the craft, and everyone dies. Oh. And then the party wakes up in uh, cloning chambers on the spell jammer. Uh, they now owe the captain money for the um, the uh, effort of reviving them and cloning them and the, and the costs incurred therein, And they need to do jobs in order to be free of their, uh, uh, indentured servitude. Ooh, what's the first job? So the first job that they chose to do, cause I gave them choices uh-huh. was to, uh, hunt down one of the former crew members of the ship who had gone rogue and stolen from the captain. Ah, uh, and he was fighting. He is now running planet. his own, um, uh, pirate ship full of scrow. Uh, the the scrow are the orcs, but get it, it's backwards. So the, the <sighs> they're space orcs. That's not my invention. That's that's classic spell jammer. By the way, the the, yeah. the scrow are, are not uh in this book. <laughs> ah, got it. Because that that would have meant it contained something.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, anyway, the fight is not going well, and that is where we left off. <laughs> oh.
0: I was, I was really hoping they'd have, you know, maybe decided to land on a, on a strangely beautiful forest planet.
1: Oh, we're, we're definitely going to go there. We're oh. definitely going to go there. Oh, good. And we're going to, we're going to see
0: those things. Oh yeah. Cause if we had to see them so in our it, minds, I, that's right. <laughs> that's right. They, so, they shall, they <laughs> so
1: guys, I highly recommend, uh, the spell jammer books, uh, because, uh, when you go through them, you will be inspired to fill in all the gaps. Thus, uh, you know, um, jumpstarting your, your creativity when you're in a rut. Uh, it is going to feel like a waste of money and technically it will be, but it will make you <laughs> want to fix it. So highly recommend 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs>
0: someone's gonna misquote us out of context and then it's gonna look like like this, this is like, all like, our fault all- <laughs> oh, if only man. we were that important I you know um, I, I, you, I think I think I'm I am gonna uh, continue to call it spell bummer though I think that totally I think it totally fits I I think I'll, I will make make it a thing so instead of like the the original star trek like
1: play out music it'll be bum bum
0: bum freaking curb it'll oh be curb so. larry david comes on and he's just got <laughs> that got that like world weary like i just can't even with any of this Anymore, <laughs> at all. In he's just space. in bad gift Yankee makeup. Oh space. my God! <laughs> he's got <laughs> spirit gum ears on. Uh he's <laughs> just like this would be my life. Like he just, <laughs> you know. But then the guy oh just God. go make Seinfeld in space and it would kick all the butts and he would just be amazing. It really would. My my wife said that Larry David is her spirit animal oh man yeah Uh, you could do worse you could do worse oh totally he's a funny guy oh man you know well anyway that's spell jammer (laughs) to to you and anyone else who is super pumped for this i'm i'm really sorry that that it that it didn't live up to What it was supposed to. I mean, all hyperbole and joking aside. I mean, that's, that's a freaking bummer when like I remember the feeling of being just so hyped to go get something that you've been waiting so long for and you crack it open and it just, it just doesn't even come close to, to even the most reasonable expectations that you had for it. And that, that's a whole, special level of suck and i i I I feel for you guys
1: yeah i mean it takes me back to uh mass effect three a little bit and it takes me back to game of thrones final season yeah um that those last couple of episodes especially just you're just like what are you what are you thinking you know and it's just horrifying and you're in this wasn't as disappointing as that because honestly, like wizards is weird. They like, they are really kind of 50 50. They're very much hit and miss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not sure why they should have the data now. Right. But whatever. Well, I mean, being creative is hard. You
0: know, I, I'll say this. Um, I think especially recently the amount of books that that Wizards has put out um, in the past couple of years, most of the stuff they've been putting out has been pretty dang good, if not terrific. Like, I I feel like this misstep is an anomaly, at least compared to a lot of well, the things a, a we've lot of people recently. Were, a lot of people are
1: disappointed with Strixhaven. I mean... Okay, um...
0: but... But does it at least do what it was trying to do? Whether or not there were people who were like, this ain't my thing. Right. Does it do it, something? It definitely
1: does more. Fair enough. But it could have been, even that could have been more robust and building the fantasy that like outside of being that particular setting. Right. Like, cause that like the question there was, how do I make a Harry Potter? Right. Right. And like, that's literally all it is. Yeah. So I think like step one, you have to be honest about that.
0: I I think I'm just saying like, even with, you know, looking at Game of Thrones, I think that is the bad stuff bad? Yeah, it totally is. But the fact that we see that and can tell that it's bad is partly just because we have the contrast. Of the stuff that's really good. And...
1: Well, yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't disagree. Because, you know, the the obvious... Like I said, they have the data. They should right. know what's what's yeah. working and what's not working. They couldn't find some people that would work for free and talk about their favorite, you know, sci-fi that they've watched. You like, focus group it or something. They could... Like, Wizards has, has got to be the easiest focus group gathering company ever. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, how many people, I, I would do it for free. Right. Like, if they, if they just like said, Hey, I, we want to give us your opinion and play test the thing and, uh, you, you give us ideas that we can outright steal from you. I'd be like, All right. Okay.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> I problem. Just give it
1: to them. I would just do it. Right. Like, just so I, you know, they could, I mean, like, Hey, I wrote that. I, I wrote a thing. you know? Yep. Um,
0: yeah. Why not? yeah I don't know so, I I, if anything I hope that this is something that Wizards learns from and that they like take a realistic look at this and and go okay given what happened with this how can we make sure that we avoid this again you know and make sure that the missteps and mistakes that we made here that we don't screw that up again because I mean you know what else can you do? You just gotta post mortem the thing and move on and try to do better. I mean, you know, I I just hope that the that the stuff they come out with moving forward is better. Like I saw that um planescape is on the list of things within the next year or two, and that I am intrigued by. Like that, if anything, whether I would use it to run or not, the idea of the planes and everything um is is very is something that's always intrigued me just from like a from a story perspective, I think it's pretty neat stuff. Um, so I I've got high hopes for that, and I hope that, uh, you know, I I hope they do it justice, but we'll see, I guess. We'll see. All right, well, I guess it's about time to wrap this whole deal up. Um, if any of you out there are interested in supporting us in any way, Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash inspiration point. Support us at whatever level you feel comfortable with, and you can see all the different cool things you can get access to there. Um, And apart from that, you know, I guess we'll just leave you with this parting thought that um, even if you did wind up picking up this book and, you know, if it just isn't doing it for you. And the same for any other books that you might've felt disappointed in use them for inspiration. I mean, you bought them anyway. You might as well look at them instead of books of things that you should do. Look at them as books that will get your brain telling you what you want and try to do it yourself or talk to some friends and see if they have ideas. And maybe you guys can come up with your own ways to to really realize all these cool things that you've always wanted to do. In this case, fulfilling all those cool sci-fi space traveling magic fantasies. That sounds like it ought to be pretty freaking cool. So get creative. See what you can come up with. And if you do come up with something, come share it with us. We'd love to hear about it. So... All that being said, until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.
1: Also, just buy spectacular settlements. It's pretty much just gonna do everything you need.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's that's very nice. It's also very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's also true. It's like
1: unfortunately, the right book was just already been made. It's been in front of you
0: all along. All right. (laughs) We love you guys. Peace out. Bye. Bye.